Right, this uh, week is the uh, second in our series of parables. Two weeks ago, Chris uh, introduced us to the parable of the sower. Um, he took us uh, through that, um, uh, the meanings behind that, and told us that the parables were, they were a story, but they were a mechanism that were used by Jesus to impart some hidden truths. Um, they were meant to be stories with uh, a little bit of a twist in the tale, perhaps, Chris was saying. Maybe a little bit edgy. Catch people out. Catch people by surprise. Maybe even shock them. Um, so we're going to be looking at uh, some more of those parables today. These stories with meaning. And uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, uh, Matthew 13, 24 to 43. I wonder if somebody could look it up in the Bible and find out what page number that is, please. Uh, but we're looking really at three parables There's the parable of the wheat and the weeds. There's the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. So let's uh, read those. Anybody found the page number? 926. Thank you very much indeed. Let's read these. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. (coughs) Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would have ears this morning to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, would you help us to unpack the truths that are hidden in these words. Lord, would you bring them to life to us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's kind of helpful, isn't it, with this particular parable, just as it was with Chris's parable uh, that he took us through a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus explains what it means. So, job done. That's the pressure off this morning. But there's a kind of twist in the tail, isn't there? Because right in the middle of that, I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus said, in fulfillment of the prophecy that was given in Psalms, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. That has to imply that there's something going to be a little bit more than meets the eye in these parables. If these parables contain things that are hidden, we're going to have to do a little bit of digging to really understand what's uh, behind them. As Chris was saying um, uh, before, that parables are easy to understand. They're stories that were familiar. On the face of it, they tell a very simple message. But actually, I really believe that uh, there's more uh, beneath that. I wonder if you've ever read the Bible and you've come across a word that you've perhaps read many times before. And all of a sudden you go, I never saw that before. I never understood what it meant. Maybe you read it in the context of something else that you'd seen and heard maybe in another passage or something that somebody said um, in a sermon. You'd go, wow. That's a fresh insight. I'd never seen that before. And for me, that's uh, the exciting thing about the Word of God. We're told that it's a living Word. It's, uh, It's explained by the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit brings it to life. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see things that perhaps were seemingly hidden before and suddenly come to our attention. And Jesus, right at the end, says... He who has ears, let him hear. I wonder, where else do you see that call in the Bible? There's another book in the Bible where this is mentioned seven times. Revelation, yeah. In the letters to the churches that uh, God gives to Jesus, who gives to an angel, who then gives to John, at the end of every letter, there's this warning or uh, this... uh, Um, imploring that he who has ears, let him hear. And all these parables, these seven parables in this uh, Matthew section, um, are about the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you noticed that. He told them another parable about the kingdom of heaven is like such and such. So I guess it's no surprise, if you look ahead to Revelation, actually, There's a lot of parallel between the warnings and the messages that are given to the churches at Revelation and has that same call, he who has ears, let him hear. Because they're all messages about the kingdom of heaven, about our eternal destiny, about the impact of the things that we do on earth and our eternal destiny with or without God. So these are pretty important messages that we need to understand. I wonder what you do when you come across something that you don't understand in the Bible. Do you go, well, 
you know, I don't really understand that. Um, I'm not sure. I'll just gloss over that. I think sometimes we do that a lot, don't we? It's kind of interesting that um, when Jesus gave his, uh, these parables, on two occasions, first the one that we heard with Chris and, and this one, the disciples came to Jesus and said, explain it, please. Tell us what's going on here, because we don't get it. And uh, Jesus did explain it to them. I wonder, do we do that when we come across things that are hidden? I find it a huge blessing when, uh, when I find things in the Word that I don't understand, because I take that as a challenge to find out, to research, to read around and see what truths are behind that. And I would urge you to dig deeper, because Jesus is uttering things hidden since the creation of the world. It's there for us to dig into. But anyway, let's get into this. There are seven parables. Um, we're not going to go uh, through them uh, all. Um, there are four parables that are public ones. Jesus speaks openly. There are three that Jesus gives only to his disciples. They're very private. He gives two explanations to two of the parables. But in my opinion, on the face of it, there are seven core messages behind these parables. So the first one, and uh, you're going to have to read around this a little bit um, to, uh, to see what's going on. A um, bit of homework for you. Uh, when we read on to the parables of things like the pearl, uh, of great price, the, the treasure hidden in the field, we'll see that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything else. It's something that we should earnestly seek from small beginnings, we'll see, grows God's great kingdom. We're in a struggle between good and evil. There's going to be final reckoning and eternal consequences to what we do. Not all are going to be saved. And the judgment is God's judgment and his judgment alone. As we read through these parables, I take those, as the, on the face of it, the seven uh, core meanings. There are other sub-meanings, of course, but uh, let's take those as the seven core ones. But let's start with the parable of the wheat and the weeds. I'm going to pick a few words um, uh, as I go through this, just to kind of dig into them and uh, see what they mean. And thankfully, as I said, Jesus interpreted this parable um, for us, or at least most of the words. So, the one who sowed, Jesus said, is the Son of Man. And who is the Son of Man? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the Son of Man. Uh, it's a phrase that he uses about himself, and only about himself, and only he uses that phrase. But it's used 81 times in the Gospels. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. And it's interesting that he's the one that sows the seed. And what is the good seed? The good seed is the sons of the kingdom, which if we believe in God, if we give him uh, our, our lives, we are the good seed. We are sons of the kingdom. And it's kind of interesting that it's Jesus' responsibility to sow the good seed. It's Jesus' responsibility to bring about uh, sons and daughters of the kingdom. So where does he sow the good seed? In his field, which is the world. Right? We are in the world. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it, to note that word. It's in his field. 
This world is God's world. Whether we uh, think and, and see the things around us that are perhaps not the way they should be, it's still God's world. Yeah? And we mustn't forget that. But we also have weeds. And these are described as sons of the evil one. I wonder, anybody gardening uh, um, experts out there, what is a weed? A plant in the wrong place. Excellent, excellent. Because, you know, some weeds are really, really nice, aren't they? They're really pretty. And you can be excused for uh, um, confusing a weed with uh, a good plant. I remember when I was a kid, I was asked by uh, my... uh, um, parents to do some weeding in the back back garden. And I went along and picked out all these uh, um, things that I thought were weeds. And it turned out that they were the primulas that they had just planted. (laughs) They hadn't flowered yet. You see, I thought a flower, a good plant, was something that had a pretty flower. It wasn't just a green thing in the ground. It was difficult for me to tell the difference between uh, um, weeds and uh, good plants. Fortunately, I was never asked to weed again. That's just uh, maybe a good thing. But it's for, but a, a weed is a plant that not only grows in the wrong, it's not where it's meant to be, but it's also growing in competition to what you really want. So weeds in your lawn are growing in competition to the grass. Weeds in a, a flower bed are growing in competition to the flowers. They're not where they're supposed to be. And if you think back that, you know, the, the sower sowed the good seed in his field, that's what it was like at creation in the Garden of Eden. God said what about creation? It was good. <laughs> yeah? It was good. It wasn't like there was weeds there. But as a result of our disobedience, then weeds thorns, thistles came, right? They spoiled um, what was God's good creation. They were like the weeds uh, in, uh, in the world. They were sons of the evil one. And you might look around and you might say, see in the world, there's, um, there's a lot of bad in the world today, isn't there? Yeah? We can't get away from it. And when the disciples, uh, you know, asked, you know, what's, uh, what's going on? Where did these weeds come from? His response was, the enemy did this. You know, a lot of people say to me, you know, how could God allow suffering in the world? How could God allow that situation that Nick shared with us of uh, um, uh, tragic deaths in families? How could God allow suffering? How could God allow the situation in North Korea where, where Christians are, are persecuted. You know, but we get it the wrong way around, don't we? It's not God that does that. An enemy does this. That's what Jesus is saying. And the enemy, of course, um, Jesus tells us is the devil. And the servants come and say to the, uh, the sower, when did this happen? And it was whilst they were sleeping. Jesus doesn't actually explain what this means. But I'm sure we can kind of interpret 
that actually, if we're not on our guard, then evil can creep in. Yeah? While we're not alert to things, while we're asleep, things happen. Just going back to those parallels to the uh, letters to the churches, there's one church that is told to wake up. Wake up. Because you are neither hot or cold. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? I, you, 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 sorry, that's the, the wrong one. You've got, you've got, you look as if you're doing good things, but actually there's bad things in you. Wake up and get it right. And so Jesus is uh, imploring us to, to don't fall asleep. Don't be ignorant to the impact that weeds, the evil things can have, not just in the world, but to us as a church. Don't be asleep. Now, it's also interesting that um, the difference wasn't noticed. These weeds weren't noticed until the wheat sprouted and formed ears. Um, A lot of commentators will say that the weeds were actually a a weed called Darnell um, that looks very, very similar to wheat. In fact, it's called false wheat. Um, It looks exactly the same. But it has this strange uh, um, property that if you eat it, it's, uh, it makes you feel drowsy, maybe even drunk, right? And if you have to take too much, it can, uh, it can be poisonous and can kill you. And isn't that a great parallel to, you know, how evil can uh, in- infiltrate? Sometimes actually doing bad things can make us feel good for a short while, can't they? But they can make us feel drowsy to, to the truth. But how is it that um, um, we uh, see the difference when the wheat ripens? It's very interesting that when wheat ripens and gets its full uh, head of, of seeds, what does it do? It bows its head. But the weeds stand firm and, uh, and tall and proud. And what a great lesson this is for us, isn't it? That as, as disciples, as the good seed, it's our responsibility to bear fruit, but to do so bowing in humility. When we're truly bearing fruit for the kingdom, we don't stand proud, but we bow our heads because it's all about what Jesus has done, not what we do. And they're told to allow um, the things to grow together. Don't pull the weeds up because you might uh, uh, damage the wheat. And I wonder what we think about that. Is that a good strategy? Do you do that in your gardens? <laughs> do you leave the weeds to go or do you pull them up? Why, why did uh, the, the sower say that things needed to, uh, to grow together? Well, It was important to do so until the final harvest, which is the the end of the age, because you may uproot the wheat. You might damage the good as well as the bad. I wonder, how good are you at spotting the difference between wheat and weeds? How good are you at spotting the good and the difference between good and evil? I, I think that's really hard. You know, there's a lot of really good people in this world, aren't there? A lot of people do really good things. Does that naturally make them wheat? No, it doesn't. Right? We're warned uh, about that. 
How often do you judge somebody for doing something when actually you get completely the wrong end of the stick? And you judge them for doing things when actually they have a particular reason why they're behaving like that. God says, judgment is his alone. It's not for us to make judgment. That will all be done at the end of the age. Right? It'll all be sorted out. God will, uh, can never be criticized for not dealing with things properly. His judgment will be fair and true. And nobody will be able to criticize it. But we as church shouldn't go around judging people, pulling out what we think are weeds and damaging the, uh, the body. It's really important that we focus on growing and developing and bowing our heads uh, as we bear fruit in humility. That's our job, not to go out uh, rooting up the weeds. Now, that doesn't mean let's excuse those things that are bad. We're also told in Scripture uh, to call those things out, but to do so in a gentle way. Okay, so so much for uh, that parable. On to the parable of uh, the mustard seed. Um, on face value, this looks a very easy parable to explain, yeah? It's a little thing that grows into a big tree, and uh, um, isn't that a, a good thing, a good uh, symbol of the kingdom of heaven? Again, I don't know if you gardeners know, Jesus said uh, um, uh, mustard seed is the smallest of the seeds. Is it? It's not, actually. There are smaller seeds than a mustard seed. Orchid seeds are, are smaller, for example. So was Jesus telling a porky? No, I don't think so, because listen very carefully. Right? Jesus always used things in uh, language, in context, the people that uh, could understand. He said, the mustard seed is the smallest of your seeds, the seeds that they would be familiar with. In fact, a mustard seed is, a, in, in Jewish tradition, a kosher seed, Smaller seeds, like the orchid seed, you read up in Leviticus, it's a non-kosher seed. Right? Jesus was very, very precise about the language that he used. So, you know, don't try and get uh, um, uh, to, to pull faults in what he says. I've never found anything in the Bible that is not explainable right, and seen to be true. But we see this... Uh, um, mustard seed, and we talk about it growing into a big tree. Actually, mustard trees, mustard bushes, they're, they're not that big, right? And Jesus said it's a garden bush. It, it grows into uh, like a tree, not one of the biggest trees, but it's a kind of gangly, ungainly thing, right? They're not particularly attractive trees, our, our mustard trees. That's a, a picture of one there. And I think this is such a good picture of, of the church, actually. We're not always a tidy place, are we? <laughs> We can be a bit of a messy people sometimes, yeah? And we have to accept that. We've got to live with that uh, um, whole um, kind of messiness sometimes. So we've got um, the smallest of the seeds. Again, this seed is planted in his field, right? And we know what his field is uh, from the previous explanation. So Jesus is planting his kingdom in his earth. And this tree goes, grows so big that the birds of the air come. Now, what do you read into that? You might read on face value that this tree has grown so big that it's become a roosting place for birds. Yeah. Where else have we seen birds in Jesus' parables? 
Exactly. And what were the birds? What did Jesus say the birds were in that parable? Do you remember? Chris will know. He's the, evil. the evil one. Yeah? So, although Jesus doesn't explain the birds in this parable, he did in a previous one. So, should we say, actually, when he's saying birds in this one, it means the same as what it did in the other? Different people have different interpretations, but it's not too much of a stretch, is it, to suggest that actually, let's think about the implications, if that is true. If the um, uh, meaning of birds roosting in the tree is a sign of the evil one having an influence, then should we not take note? Again, I refer you to and uh, look at some of the letters to um, the churches in Revelation. You know, one of the churches is is, uh, um, commended for its faithfulness, even though they live in a place where Satan, the evil one, has his throne. You know, could it be that these birds roosting in the tree are a sign of the fact that actually good and evil sit alongside? I think uh, we need to think carefully about that. So, that is the mustard seed. And then finally, on to yeast. Again, on face value, we've got this woman who's kneading um, uh, yeast um, into, uh, into flour, into dough. And I guess on face value, it looks like this is uh, a good thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the impact of the yeast is going through all the dough. It's having an influence at it all. And so should uh, you know, the, uh, the God's kingdom have an influence on the whole of the world around us. But is yeast always a good thing? What else do we hear about yeast in the Bible? Jesus warns specifically, he says, you know, be aware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. which is hypocrisy. That's what I talked about. When Jews celebrate uh, feasts, right? Passover, what do they eat? Unleavened bread. Throughout Leviticus um, uh, and, and Exodus as well, the Jews are, are, are warned that it's at times running up to uh, special feasts. Remove yeast from your houses. Make sure that there isn't anything there. So is yeast a good thing? Or a bad thing? I think we've got to look at both sides. And actually, I think Jesus said this parable to uh, to give kind of two meanings. So, one interesting thing, and it depends on which translation you you look at, but uh, talks about the woman mixing yeast into the dough. In some translations, it talks about her hiding. Right? The Greek word is crypto, from which we get uh, encryption, cryptography, and those kind of things. It's actually hidden uh, within the dough, um, which could mean that it's a secret there for us to unlock and unpack, or it could be that actually there's, uh, um, uh, there's uh, unholy things um, being hidden. And again, I'd refer you to the, the letters in Revelation. Uh, there's one church that is uh, um, really lambasted. You know, you tolerate this woman, Jezebel, and interesting, it's a woman kneading the dough here, um, because she has uh, enticed you into understanding the secret hidden things of the evil one. So I think we have to worry about how um, maybe some untruths, some uh, deception might get kneaded in, mixed in um, with God's kingdom. 
we know there's false teachings, false doctrines being taught uh, all over the place. We have to be mindful to those and aware of them. But Jesus also says the kingdom of heaven is like uh, yeast that is mixed in. And it's mixed in, interestingly, to a large amount of flour. I guess when you read this um, passage, you imagine just making a few small loaves, right? The measures that were used here, um, depending on the interpretation, uh, the, um, the, the version that you use, it's either um, 60 kilograms, uh, three seers, or uh, an ephah, um, which is a lot of <laughs> flour. It's a lot of bread, right? But it's three of these measures, and interestingly, if you look back to other passages in the, uh, in the Bible, it's exactly the same measure of flour that was used by Abraham and Sarah when they were visited by three visitors, who then went on to, uh, or two of them, angels at least, went on to uh, administer judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's exactly the same measure that Hannah used as an offering before Samuel was brought as, a, as an offering into the temple. It's kind of interesting how there's this you know, kind of constancy through the Bible that points you to other things. So could it be that these three measures of flour have some kind of meaning that says, do you know what? Something different is about to happen. Just as there was a miraculous birth um, for uh, Abraham and Sarah when those three visitors came, just as Hannah had prayed for a miraculous birth and uh, gave that, uh, um, that uh, offering, could it be that these three measures are some reflection of something that different that's going to happen? And also, um, if you look at your Jewish uh, feasts, there is one feast where the Jews eat leavened bread. Anybody like to guess what it is? put you out of your misery. It's the Feast of Pentecost. When we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, could it be that the yeast is also a picture of God is doing something different? God is bringing a new thing in giving us his Holy Spirit to allow us to go out to the world and be a positive influence, an influence that changes the world. So in all these parables, we have uh, this challenge of, of kind of good and evil sitting alongside. We are the sons of the kingdom, but we also live amongst weeds. We've got that challenge to face. But we have God's Holy Spirit as well. So in wrapping up, I'm just going to... There's a number of things I'd like just to think about as we take this away. First message is, there are things hidden in God's word that we need to dig into deeper. I would encourage you, when you come across things that you don't understand or you see, hmm, where have I seen that before? That doesn't quite fit. Dig deeper because God has got uh, real treasures that he wants to unlock in his word. It is a living word. Secondly, our job is to be fruitful to bear fruit, but to do so in humility, bowing our heads uh, in acknowledgement of who God is. Don't be proud in the things that we do. Do it in humility. When we come across weeds, be careful how we deal with those. Right? Don't be judgmental. Judgment is for God alone. 
let's not tolerate bad things, but equally let's treat people as, uh, as part of God's creation. Let's not do damage in trying to root out those things just because they don't go with what we believe. Be aware that there are birds, the evil one, who would snatch away uh, the seed, the gospel. Be aware that there are weeds around us. Don't be deceived. But then last and most importantly, be positive yeast. There's a, uh, a verse in uh, Corinthians. I'll just uh, read that to you. Right one. It's from 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 8. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let's put aside those things that kind of creep into our our lives that are the old yeast, the bad things. Let instead fill our lives with the Holy Spirit that brings that change uh, into the world around us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, there are so many secrets uh, hidden in your word. I pray that you would uh, uh, give us that real passion to dig in to your truths. And Lord, as we come before your table now to remember you, you said you are the bread of life. As we break bread, it's a symbol of the sacrifice that you paid for us. Help us to really understand what that means. Help us to be uh, your hands, your feet in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.